Hi, I'm Jeff Ranke, Editorial Director of Manufacturing.net and Manufacturing Business Technology. Welcome to Security Breach. Recent data from cybersecurity software and services provider Mimecast offers some depth on the rising concerns presented by phishing attacks, with 96% of respondents acknowledging that their organization had faced some form of phishing attack in the past year. Additionally, this tactic is believed to be responsible for 36% of data breaches, with 84% of U.S. organizations having reported phishing or ransomware attacks again within the last 12 months. And speaking of ransomware, the average payment has climbed to $570,000 during the first half of 2021. That's up more than 200 grand from the previous year. Analysts are predicting that the frequency of these attacks will rise to one every two seconds. At the heart of all these attacks is a factor that might be the most responsible for their success or failure, and that's employee knowledge and training on how to avoid and respond to cyber attacks. Joining us to discuss what industrial organizations can do to better arm their employees when confronted by these threats is Joe Tibbetts. He's a Senior Director of Technology and Alliances and API at Mimecast. So, Joe, getting right into it here, a lot of the things that Mimecast does focuses on employee training and email security. What are some of the things that you see are continuing to be overlooked? What are some of the the more important, not even the low-hanging fruit, but just some of the more important things that are being overlooked? And, and why do you think this continues to be the case? I think, you know, it's a good question. When you really look at awareness training, it's a program, it's a culture, and it's a philosophy. So what folks will think is maybe one-time training, check the box, and that's sufficient for the year. Well, we really have seen best practices with our customer base and kind of in the industry is you need to kind of look at what you're training. Is it resonating with your customers? Sorry, with your employees? Is this resonating? Are you doing it enough? Is it frequent? Is it pertinent? Um, are your, is your organization understanding the value of this? So if it's a check the box training exercise, that just doesn't work in 2022 or 2023, right? If you really start to look at it and you have short, interesting snippets where you're educating the user, maybe one quick question, then you take that information and you bench that against yourselves, you bench that against your peers, you bench that against your industry, you're getting your human resource groups involved. So some of the challenges folks have is it's a security only thing and it's not a part of your company's culture. Um, I can tell you a story of a, com- a company that really gets it, right? So we actually saw uh, an individual yesterday in Dubai walking down the floor of one of our customers, and there was a robot literally going down the hallway with an awareness training video going by, little comedic type of, it's a true story. And yeah. you know right off the bat that that company gets it, that they're secure, they're doing everything they can. Uh, you also can really determine if a company really understands the value of user awareness you walk into a break room, you walk into one of those offices, and if you see the poster or you see any type of information out there, you know right off the bat that the culture of that company really understands the value of users. And by the way, users are you know involved in over 90% of the attacks that occur. Absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm glad you brought up culture. That is such a huge factor, especially in the indul- industrial sector. One of the things we see here, we, we know it anecdotally, we've seen it backed up by research, is that there's this feeling that they're not they're not on the radar. They're not susceptible of attack either because of their size. They're not as prominent of a player in the industrial sector or in society or, or not a well-known name or whatever you want to say. What can you tell folks in terms of understanding they are susceptible and they should not have this feeling of sort of being untouchable because they're always touchable. 
I worry about the, the the IP that these firms have, right? There's a lot of rich information in there and there's a broad base. Uh, they're very dispersed in many, many cases, right? And just think of one ransomware attack hitting your firm, hitting and shutting down communications, locking out your systems, getting in. So I think it's very, very important. Uh, I also see a lot of folks, um, when you really look at the security teams, oftentimes they think that they're doing enough. And in many cases, they follow the marketing brochures of a various set of products. They see the values and benefits of automated alerts being created and overseeing your employees and you're protected, in which case that's just a nirvana, right? It takes time, efforts. It takes a lot of work to really make sure you have the right security apparatus in place. Excellent. You know, another thing, I know that you guys focus a lot on email security specifically. Phishing attacks are a huge concern. You talked about it a lot in your latest reports. We know of these types of things going on in the industrial sector. Can you give us an update in terms of maybe some of the new tactics you're seeing using email or phishing schemes and some of the best practices maybe in responding to these types of attacks? Yeah, so we talk about the trends. So if you go back even like 10 years ago, right? It was spam and then some maybe attacks and whatnot. They morphed to phishing, light phishing. Then they started to really look at social media and they really found out they could get more targeted. Ransomware comes about and then you have business email compromise. What we're really seeing today though is the spray and pray isn't as effective anymore. All yeah. of the security products are catching up to that. So the attackers, uh, they're not stupid. Um, you can go to the dark web and go get a phishing kit for 25, 30 bucks. You can get ransomware as a service, $100, and you're off the bat, right? So from that perspective, it takes a little social engineering, and that way you can target those individuals. Um, my personal account, I was attacked literally yesterday. I'm on a Little League baseball board, and someone said, hey, I'm another guy, which he wasn't, and said to click on the links of these kids. Who knows what would happen if I clicked on that, right? Uh, that was my personal account outside of work. So it takes very little effort to have a meaningful attack that may or may not be caught with your security tools you may or may not have employed. To answer your second half of the question, so what do you do in that attack? And our CISO, and this is probably a quote up there in the industry, it's always if you uh, failure to plan is a plan to fail. So really making sure you have your workflows, your incident response playbooks, your tabletop exercises to really understand what you want to do. What's your risk profile? What's your risk appetite? Uh, the other area, and I'm uh, my, my role here at MIMCAST is technology alliances. So we're integrated with 60 or 70 different products. And one of the key things, everybody is short staffed. You don't have enough people out there, right? Our customers now are plugged into uh, 3,500 customers are plugged into 225 different security products, meaning that there's an automation going on between the technologies, whether it's endpoint or web security and email security or response. And that's key for you to be able to handle the level of attacks and be able to respond to low levels of alerts that are hit your organization. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because there's so much going on out there and it's always constantly changing. What advice could you give to some of the folks? You know, it seems like at a lot of industrial um, facilities, there's one or two people that understand how it is a priority and how it needs to, it needs a commensurate level of investment and attention and training. It's tough to kind of push that up the food chain a little bit, you know, getting back to some of the culture issues that we talked about previously. What advice could you give to those folks on the plant floor, in the IT department, and helping to get everyone on board sort of further up the food chain? Yeah, I think uh, if you simplify the awareness training, right? Find some engaging 
ability to educate those users to best practices. It doesn't need to be hard. It doesn't need to be two hours of weekly workshops and whatnot. I think from a security team perspective is making sure you're able to derive the value and the benefits of your security practice and be able to do that to your board, to the directors of IT, across the board and make sure that your organization has that culture. So start to grow that. Oftentimes it's starting with an awareness training, uh, light version, right? And get people to kind of understand the value. I remember when I first started uh, working 20 plus years ago and I really had the wrong attitude. I thought if something came across my work computer, I should click on that link and click on the download and do whatever because that's yeah. a security team's issue. And what we had to do, and that obviously was the wrong approach, but really kind of change that thinking across the board. Cause a lot of these folks, they're not malicious. They're just not aware. Yeah, employees continue to be sort of the number one opportunity and vulnerability when it comes to security in so many ways. So we talked a lot about some of the vulnerabilities and some of the bad stuff. Maybe we can talk a little bit more of the positive things right now. Maybe you can talk a little bit about some of the things that Mimecast is doing to help everybody really deal with a lot of these security issues, especially the stuff that's coming in via email. Yeah, happy to. Um, so I'm not going to talk about the detection capabilities and the efficacy of the tool sets and whatnot. I think that's kind of uh, hopefully generally known, right? We're the best in class email security provider. But when you think of additional capabilities, think of things such as artificial intelligence and machine learning that can actually look at the correspondence between two individuals and provide a banner to that user with a warning by saying, hey, you may have never communicated with this individual before. Are you sure you want to open this email or forward this email? inbound and outbound. Uh, we have capabilities on the email internal protection. So if a user is compromised and they're starting to send off sensitive data, there's data leak capabilities off the bat there that we can flag those up if you're sending out any malicious attacks. Uh, we have brand protection. So we actually have the attempt, uh, the opportunity to protect your supply chain where you can actually, we'll take a look at a number of domains and we'll actually do dark web scanning and identify threats and, and sites being created to be used before they're even out for the attack. So there's a suite of capabilities that we offer that's broader than just the core capabilities of email security. And I'll give you one more example, um, you know, kind of that continued awareness, continued training. You know, we rewrite every URL on click, but we'll often pop up that message. Are you sure you want to click in this link? And we'll actually show the details in front of them. And it's a nice just education opportunity for just simply clicking the link and they hit yes or no. We go through and give them a nice job when they do it right. Interesting. The the dark net side of things there, that's that's always sort of intriguing. Could you provide some examples of some of the different domains that you're looking for and what these domains might be attempting to do or the threat that they represent? Yeah, so if you're xyz.com, I'll just use Mimecast, for example, um, picking ourselves uh, from a legal perspective. Uh, so what we actually do is we'll monitor that domain, we'll monitor our logo, we'll monitor our website look and feel, and we have capabilities to scan the dark web, loosely speaking, and we'll look for sites that have a similar logo and a similar setup page where it's being created and potentially sent outside of us. So people are trying to damage our reputation by having a phishing type of attack with Mimecast. So it looks bad to us. It looks bad if that actually happens. We're actually able to go identify those and there's a takedown button that you can apply. So it kind of keeps your brand better protected across the board, which is important, especially in manufacturing. So in a lot of these instances, correct me if I'm kind of getting off track here, but we've experienced, I think a lot of people are familiar with email spoofing. You get an email that looks like it's from somebody you know, it's not actually. So in these instances, they could potentially replicate your website, make it look like it's yours, get a lot of valuable information entered there and use it for nefarious purposes. 
That's right. And, and the company can say, sorry, that wasn't really me, but you still look pretty darn bad in that situation, right? So from yeah. our perspective, we can protect the brand in general with what we just talked about with the domain spoofing. And we also have the impersonation phishing spoofing where you can take your very targeted list, your C-suites, maybe your branch managers, et cetera. And we can actually put those in and add all sorts. We have all sorts of microservice capabilities out there to detect those phishing and impersonation attempts specifically for those individuals. Absolutely. Now, Joe, part of what you do also, you deal with the APIs. So you're dealing with different connection points within an organization and the data that's being flowing, that's basically flowing between those different APIs. On a plant floor, as we get into this industry 4.0 initiative and more automation and more connectivity, could you talk a little bit about some of the vulnerabilities that can be presented with more and more of these data points and more and more of these connections? Yeah, so if you think of email, uh, I think right now the latest stats that I've seen are there are over 300 billion emails sent every day from 7 billion mailboxes. 90% uh, of attacks have something to do with email, originate from email, because we talked about it, it's easy. So from that perspective, the telemetry, the richness of threat intelligence and the data that's available within an email security technology is so important. And we know that the security teams, specifically manufacturing, are stretched. They don't have a ton of staff to go babysit a whole bunch of alerts from all these different systems. And some can and some can't afford the SIMs and the XDR technologies that are out there. So simply being able to integrate and get your alerts out of Mimecast into a particular set of tools, be able to enrich an investigation by saying, wow, is this actually in any of my users' mailboxes without having to type in and copy hashes and do all that work in that automated fashion? And if you see a threat that's out there, be able to push the block button or do a search and destroy a found from the email vector, making that capability easy for our security teams to perform whatever function they have in whatever tool set they're utilizing. If we actually interviewed every single person listening to this podcast, there's going to be probably 250 different security architectures, right? They're picking different best of breed products because it works for them and that's okay. And our goal is to make sure you can perform your traditional functions in a very, very easy fashion and take advantage of that sort of training capability. Interesting. And this all goes into basically developing that cybersecurity plan. I think when we look at the industrial sector, folks are either in two different places, and it's probably mimics a lot of different industries. They're either starting to pull one together just because it's be, they're becoming face-to-face -face with all of these new threats that are out there that have been growing since 2020, or they're trying to constantly change and evolve with the times. So from your perspective, Joe, maybe you could offer some insight and in what are some things to consider when initially constructing that plan? And what can you do to keep it up to date as things change? Yeah, that's a that's an interesting question and it, probably a whole uh, podcast in itself at the end of the day. <laughs> um, you know, it's really kind of making sure you have your right trusted advisors there when you put that plan together. We often see a lot of folks having some great success working with their, you know, partner to run through a consultation, not a security audit, but one of those types of capabilities. So you really know what your vulnerabilities are. So whether you want to run through any of that type of thing, there's a lot of vendor products out there that can help you across the board. Another best practice is we see a lot of industry forums. So you see it in healthcare, you see it in retail, you see in the Denver CISO groups that they're coming together on a monthly or periodic basis and really sharing best practices and what they're seeing. And they're really building those bonds in their community and their region and their area. So a lot of those industry forums I found very, very helpful. And probably the third of three is really when you're looking at your, you, you have limited budget. So you look at your kind of best of breed security tools that work for you. 
identify ones that are open. So that way in the future, you're able to kind of accommodate additional use cases. So when you do your tabletop exercises and come up with the new scenarios, you're future-proofing the investments. You're not having to rip and replace in due time. Makes sense. You know, it's interesting too, when we look at the industrial sector, they'll have physical inventory knowledge down to the washer and nut of, of everything in the warehouse or not on the plant floor. But when I look at APIs and different data points and things like that, the inventory that they have of that is lacking in a lot of time, in a lot of instances, which leads to a less effective cybersecurity or security plan. Could you offer some advice or some perspective there on the need to make sure you're understanding all of those data points and having an inventory of it and, and what that can do for your cybersecurity plan? I think that needle in the haystack analogy would apply pretty well here. And a lot of folks can't afford to go off and purchase a Splunk, which we're great partners with, and they're great if you can. Um, but if you start to look at some of the tools that are out there, there's a lot of low code, a lot of, uh, uh, what do you call those, the, the new data lakes or snowflake, where you can actually bring this information together. When you start to look, and you look at one, for example, a security investigation, and maybe there was an email that was delivered that had a, a, a low confidence, but it wasn't a block. And you see some activity going on with the network detection, and you see another issue going on over here with the endpoint security. All of those items could be low, but when you bring that together and you can look at the telemetry and create that opportunity to create that alert to say, wait a minute here. So I'm looking at 50 things with this, if there's a little smoke, there might be fire. Makes sense. So looking in your uh, your crystal glass here, looking forward, seeing what, what might be going on in the next 12 to 18 months, what do you think are some of the bigger trends that we're gonna be hearing about or things that we need to be aware of looking into the future? So it kind of goes back to the last question you asked, which is kind of like that evolution. So a lot of folks don't have the security staff to be able to handle what they need to do or want to do. Uh, what we've noticed here for the last 18 months at Mimecast, and I strongly believe that this is going to be something that really proliferates in the future, is the ability to utilize a managed security service to help your security teams. Uh, from our perspective, uh, 18 months ago, we had customers integrated into two managed security service providers. Today, we're integrated in over 50, and it's close to 1,000 customers, picking their best practices, they're picking their best technologies that work for them. And they do it not just because maybe they've done their analysis and planning and their risk profile says, we're not good on weekends, or we're struggling at this branch or whatever, but it's really, Every time you see a threat, you see it for the first time and deal with it. These firms have a thousand customers they're overseeing, so you get that scale and they can actually augment your staff at a reasonable price. So I'm just sharing one of the things we're really kind of hearing from our base. Okay. So just an uptick in the use of those services and to supplement and help um, maybe some small to mid-sized businesses, you know, strengthen their cybersecurity approach. That's right, because they come across the board, right, from MSPs and MSSPs, but they have everything from incident response to threat hunting to SOC as a service. But then they even have endpoint security providers have the ability for you to have them manage an oversight. So it's it, there's so many different capabilities that are out there, but it's just a nice, easy way for you to kind of say, hey, there's one part of the security world that I'd love to get some help with, and you can write that check and make that problem go away a little bit. Excellent. Joe, last question. Any particular threats or groups that you're really monitoring more heavily or have popped up on your radar as of late that people should be aware of? What we're really focused on is that social engineering, phishing, impersonation. That's the one area that we're just really drilling into. It's kind of funny. You think of the evolution of the threats and you think of 2022 as being all these deep fakes and all these different types of really exotic attacks. And sure, they're out there, but the bread and butter of what we're seeing now, core, front and center, are those social 
particular attacks on those very targeted people. So it's that kind of intersection between those two. Thanks, Joe. And for more information on the work Mimecast does, you can go to mimecast.com. Thanks for joining us today. To catch up on past episodes, you can go to manufacturing.net, ien.com, or mbtmag.com. You can also check Security Breach out wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple, Amazon, and Overcast. Finally, if you've got a cybersecurity story to share or topic you'd like to have us cover, feel free to contact me at jeff at ien.com. For Joe Tibbetts, I'm Jeff Ranke, and this is Security Breach.